Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. He's the expert and I ask the stupid questions. So true. It all comes to you with our friends at thatleisureshop.com. You were up at Quest Leisure very uh, recently and they were talking about something very strange, Matt. Ghost shipping. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I asked them about their, their insight for the year ahead and what we're in for this year in terms of stock deliveries. I have to say, we've seen lots of deliveries from Quest and our other wholesalers. If you go into any camping accessory shop, you will discover Quest Leisure. They're everywhere. Tables, chairs, glasses. They even do little caravans and motorhomes that light up. And we sell loads of them. (laughs) But anyway, we went up to Quest. They're in Redditch. And we interviewed Ben, who's our account manager there. In fact, you can watch the whole interview on YouTube. And we unpacked the new product from Quest for this year. And I asked Ben about his insight for the year ahead and why have we had so many shipping challenges from his perspective. And he described this thing, go shipping, which is where the shipping company or the company that's sending the product say, yeah, it's gone, it's on the way. Ah, uh, like the checks in the post. Yeah, <laughs> that old chestnut. It's the same one, isn't it? Yeah. And, and of course, it's not. You know, so it's called ghost shipping. And that's been a real challenge for our industry over the last few years. And this is one of the reasons why. I found it fascinating. Never heard of it. One of our sponsors, thatleisureshop.com. What's your bestseller been uh, recently then, Matt? Undoubtedly outdoor furniture, um, especially the lightweight stuff. I'm always going on about Crespo chairs. <laughs> it's because we've got so many of them. No, it's not. They are great. They're really, really lovely. And all the stuff we've been getting in from Bow Camp as well. It's just beautiful. Okay, it's a slightly higher price. But it's like the Crespo furniture. It's got a six-year warranty. I mean, you know, you buy it once, it lasts, you know, pretty much the time you own the motel, I'm sure. It's um, not the case where that dad sits in it on the first night out and ends up in a heap on the floor. Definitely six year, not. Six-year warranty. So, well, if it did, Quest would repair it. They'd send the bits to us, we'd get it fixed, or just send you another one. And dad should lose weight. Yeah, dad, that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, like most dads. But barbecues, we've got a lovely new barbecue coming into stock from Nomadic. It's the most portable little gas-powered barbecue I've ever seen. Uh, Definitely go and check out the YouTube channel and look at the interview with Quest, uh, and you'll see it there being unpacked and demonstrated. It's really neat, really good. It's the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Let's delve into this week's news before we get into the meat, as I like to call it, of the podcast today. It's parking rules and regulations. But in the news, you've been on the Beeb. I've been on the Beeb. I went to see Auntie. Yeah, I was invited in. They were running a piece on traffic and bank holidays and how the roads get clogged up with motorhomes and caravans. And they and actually, they were actually talking about naming your motorhome. Our own first motorhome was called Phoebe. Well, funnily enough, later on in this very podcast, we have a lady who has named a French motorcycle <laughs> poo-poo. <laughs> I know. We'll come to that later on. OK, let's get into it then. Car parks. Where, can we park in any old car park we want to turn up at? Well, it depends who owns it, doesn't it? We've covered this in the Trespass episode. Go and check that out. It's all about who owns the land and having permission to park there. Hagrid the Heimer has been in touch. Uh, he says that council car parks are council land. 
Council land is paid for by the taxpayers. <laughs> but it doesn't belong to us, actually. <clears throat> so the land is not private. It is owned by the people. It's not. He's a protester. <laughs> there should be a law stopping councils from denying access to motorhomes and camper vans and indeed allowing short stays, i.e. 48 hours. He's absolutely right, isn't it? There should be, but there aren't laws because parking is seen, is seen as a source of income for councils and government. So, Hagrid, the utopian world doesn't exist. It's owned by the <laughs> council which isn't owned by the people and they're going to charge you for using it we really should be beyond this argument by now of course we should height restriction barriers they're a pain aren't they oh oh get to a car park where we often love to take the motorhome and there's the height restriction barrier a friend of mine drove into a car park on the way out there was a height restriction barrier didn't see it oh ripped the roof off really yeah the one on the entrance hadn't been installed. OK, taking up two spaces in a car park. You managed to get in, there's no height restriction. Can I park my motorhome or caravan in those two spaces? More importantly, do I need to pay for two spaces? I would. So if you want to get on the right side of the traffic warden, buy two tickets and make sure they're clearly displayed on the dashboard. And I think they'll tip their hat to you to say, yep, well done, you've taken up two spaces, you've paid for two spaces. I must admit, I'm a bit tight when I go into a car park and we're too long for a space. I'll find one where there's a grass verge at the back of the space and reverse into it. So the back end hangs out over the grass and we just take up the one space. And you've actually seen traffic wardens tip their hat and say thank you very much. Never. <laughs> this is the world of carry-ons that happens in. <laughs> yes, sir. Tell me, who at school in the careers lesson said, what do you want to do? I want to be a traffic warden. Who said that? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> that person always used to say to you, you can't put that there, you can't do that. <laughs> can't park there, yeah, mate. Yeah, can't park there, mate. Yeah, pick that up. <laughs> All right. So how long can I stay in any of these car parks? Well, the key there is going to be about the signs on the posts around the car park. So we love a sign in this country, don't we? <laughs> If you notice that about this country, you've got a shop or somewhere with glass double doors. Yeah. One of the doors is open so you can use it, and the other one always has a sign on, which doesn't relate to the fact it's locked, but relates to something else. And so you try the wrong one first, because I presume it's got the sign on, your brain says, try that one first. That's locked, and then you have to try the second one, while at the same time reading the sign, which says something about wiping your feet or not coming in between one and two or something like that. It drives me crazy, people <laughs> with signs in this country. It really does. What is I, that about us? I love your world. You don't you don't see it anywhere else in the world. There's signs everywhere. We love them. Oh. So check the signs. If there's a time restriction on there, don't exceed it or you're going to get a fine. You know what? There's a retail park near here where local people are parking for an hour in the morning and doing their B&Q shop and then going back in the afternoon and doing their food shop and there's a two-hour time limit or whatever it is but they're actually there for two one-and-a-half-hour periods during the day. So on both visits, they're within the time restraint. But cumulatively, that day, they've exceeded it and they get fine because the cameras don't recognise that they've left and come back. They just see the registration again on that day and add it together. So if, if this is true, then you know, perhaps that's the case in other car parks. Has that been your experience? I'd love to know if it's going on and where. Yeah, because in a lot of car parks it says one hour's parking, no return within two hours. So you'd presume you could park for one hour in the morning, go away for two hours, come back and park for another hour. But, but apparently this car park doesn't say that. Oh. It just says you're restricted. I think it's two and a half hours a day. Mm. So, yeah, be mindful of that. Yeah. Um, so always check the signs. If In motorway service stations, so stopping there overnight or even in the daytime, there is usually a time restriction on how long you can park there. You can park there for longer, but you've got to pay and make sure you do. It's probably within the hire business that we own. 
that's one of the number one finds. People stop at Gordano Services, which is not far from here on the M5. They stay the night there because they want to get back to us early in the morning, and it's not far away, and we get a fine two, three weeks later because they didn't pay the And how much the is the fine? £100. Ooh. I think it's 60 if you pay early. Um, we always pay them straight away and Ooh. then tell people that they've incurred this fine. But, yeah, it's easy to forget, especially in the morning you get up and you just want to pack up and go. You know, and you forget to pay it. So uh, it's a bit like low emissions as well. You've got to pay those. Um, in Bristol, we've got them now. Uh, I drove through the other day and got clipped for about 100 yards and I had to pay £9. Thankfully, you get six days to pay it because it was four days later I remembered and I paid it. So that's a £100 fine if you don't pay it. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Like I said, councils and the government uh, use uh, these things for raising revenue. Yeah. And, you know, if a car park is empty overnight, you know, why can't what's you the just park Yeah, there? what's the problem? Uh, uh, and then they say, well, you can park there, but you've got to pay. So I suppose it's their land, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what about the rules of parking in laybys? Well, there's lots of rumours and myths around this, whether you can or can't park in a layby. The key is whether it's privately owned. Again, if there's a sign that says no overnight stopping, then you mustn't park there overnight. Um, so always look for the signs. But there's lots of rules around and guidance around not driving tired. So in a motorhome, taking a break to have a little snooze is a very sensible and good idea. But then the question comes around, well, can I park up my motorhome in a lay-by, pull all the blinds down and go to bed? Can you? Oh, there's actually no law that says you can't. As far as I can discover, I cannot find any law that says you can't do that. Things to always look out for is where do the lorries park? Yeah, because they have tachographs and they are strict, yep. strictly regulated the amount of driving time they have to do. Um, when they've done their eight hours, they've got to stop and they've got to have a rest for about how many hours it is. And they've got to find these spaces as well. So if the lorries can park there, then you can park there. Yeah, that's right. And there's been a campaign to stop lorries parking in certain laybys, hasn't there? But you know, if a driver's got to take his 45-minute break or her 45-minute break, they have to take it. They can't keep driving. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to the parking up in a in a layby in a minute because there's a key thing there that a police officer will want to know. A police officer, okay. Uh, curbside parking. Yeah, well, here in Bristol, there's an area in, in Bristol right in the centre, which is all green and grass. It's called the Downs, and there's lots and lots of people have taken to living in a motorhome up there. It's prolific. You've seen it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, not far from your old job at the Beeb. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's probably 30 or 40 motorhomes parked around the Downs uh, with people living in them. And I think it's just accepted. But arguably, if your vehicle is taxed, MOT'd and insured, you can park it on the side of the road, can't you? But what's to stop you living in it there and stopping and sleeping in it? And this is the grey area. There's a key thing in the Highway Code, Rule 91 and Rule 262. I'm not going to read them out, you can Google them. But it's about taking a break uh, and being tired when you're driving greatly increases your risk of collision. This is from the Highway Code. And to minimise the risk, you must make sure you're fit to drive. Uh, avoid undertaking long journeys between midnight and six. I guess that depends what time you normally sleep. Uh, and plan your journey to take sufficient breaks. If you feel sleepy, stop in a safe place. Do not stop in an emergency area or on the hard shoulder of a motorway. So and then Rule 262 goes on to say the monotony of driving on motorways and other high-speed roads can make you feel sleepy. To minimise the risk, follow the advice in Rule 91 
so back to the original rule, ensuring you're fit to drive and taking breaks. So it encourages us to take a break in a service area or even a lay-by. So the highway code is telling us to do it. So you could argue if a policeman, I mentioned the old boys in blue, if they were to come and stop you because you have pulled over and pulled your blinds down, you say, well, I'm just taking a break as per the guidance of the highway code, then why not? What's wrong with doing that? There is no law to say you can't. In fact, that would that law would be an arse, wouldn't it? It'd be at, at odds with the highway code and the guidance we're given. But the highway code is a guidance. It's it not is. necessarily the law. Well, it's a code, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a practice under which you should operate your driving. Yeah. So the key here with people stopping in a lay-by is for the police officer that's stopping next to the motorhome is that you've had a drink and you're intoxicated and unable to drive, and then you're going and sleeping in your motorhome. And then this is a whole other area about the risk of you being drunk in charge of a vehicle. In a car, did you know it's illegal to sleep in your car whilst you're under the influence of alcohol or even any drug? Because you are still in control of the car. Nominally. You are in charge of the vehicle. Nominally, yeah. yeah. But how do you justify that in a motorhome? The motorhome is classified the same as a car. Any leisure vehicle is the same as a car. If you've had a drink and you can't, you're not fit to drive, you could be considered and charged with being drunk in charge of a vehicle. My advice would be, if you're going to do that, it would be very sensible to not drive, obviously, try and stay in a hotel or somewhere away from the vehicle. But, of course, a motel is designed to be slept in. If you live in it, you could go out for a drink and just go back. It's your home. So my advice would be make it look like you're not going to drive it. Spin the front seats, put the keys away somewhere, and, and make it evident that you are literally just using it as a bedroom uh, to sleep in. It's advised that how you interact with that policeman is going to make a massive impact on the outcome of this uh, exchange, shall we say. Um, and I think if you're aggressive and assertive with the police officer, they're probably going to be the same to you. So how you interact with them is going to be really important. I actually asked a question of a friend of mine, a guy called Darren. He has a YouTube channel called The Urban Motorhome. And Darren lives in his motorhome and has done for years. And I asked him, what's the biggest considerations that you give when you park up? Great question. When it comes to park up, the biggest thing I consider would be, am I in the way and are people going to get annoyed? So, you know, am I overhanging somewhere? Am I sticking out too much? Am I too wide for the road? And am I somewhere I shouldn't be? They're pretty much the things that, you know, first come into mind because one, I stick out like a sore thumb already. I'm a, I'm a motorhome. That's a given. Two, I don't want to stick out any more than I already do. So that's why I take them things. I, I, I run them things through my mind of, you know, how wide am I? Am I going to stop someone's day from their little routine? You know, because everyone's an autopilot. So if I'm where I am, am I going to stop someone's day and them, like, jar them out of their little routine? And then they're looking at me. Now they're like, oh who's that why are they there what are they doing i don't want to do that because i just want them to go about their day and not worry about me in any way shape or form am i meant to be there am i too big uh, am i sticking out too much am i all right to be there in the first place so that's darren from the urban motorhome good advice there matt yeah it is i went on to say to him how do you go about choosing a park up then choosing a park up's easy well i say that i've been doing it six years now but First and foremost, you need to park politely and legally. They're the first things. And also, if you sense something bad or your gut says don't be there, yeah, don't be there, move on. 
as long as you got them free checked, you know, and you are part polite, you are part legally, and your stomach's, you know, not growling at you saying go away, then I'll park on, you know, some of the places that are, that are quiet, you know, ends of houses, sides of houses, you know, quiet streets, bungalow areas, they're usually quite quiet, away from schools. Uh, kids are noisy and they uh, they run through little streets like hooligans and knock vans and noise and that. So don't park anywhere near kids. Then it comes to like secondary factors of like, is it flat? Are we, you know, going to be quite all right here for a, a night's sleep? Do I need to park this way around or the other way around, depending on the way the beds are inside? Then lastly, it comes down to probably like phone signal. I will park anywhere. I really will park anywhere. Now, I've met Darren. I wouldn't want him anywhere near my kids. He's scary. <laughs> He's a big lad. But he makes a point, doesn't he? Uh, kids run, running past and uh, knocking on the side of the motorhome. Apart from the fact it's going to wake you up and it's annoying, they could scratch your pride and joy, couldn't yeah. they? So that's good advice. Well, and the odds are stacked against Darren because he's just got a new motorhome. It's a big tag axle, so it's a big three-axle hobby thing. It must, must be eight metres or more long. It's huge. Terrible turning circle. It's really lovely, though. Darren loves it. And as he says, he's been doing this for years, living in a motorhome full time. Uh, and it's interesting for Darren, he would sleep during the day because he's a night haulage driver, driving a truck. So he was parking up during the day and sleeping. So for him, you know, the consideration is commuters and daytime pedestrian activity going on. So he does have a bit of a challenge. But I, I asked him, what's his view on being allowed to park up and sleep in a motorhome? Now, this is a very grey area when it comes to are you allowed to sleep in your motorhome at the side of the road and lay by here, there or everywhere. And no one legitimately can give me an answer. I get the question all the time and I'm just led to believe that, you know, as long as they can't see you sleeping like a police officer or something, then they can't really do much about it anyway. People are going to know you're sleeping because there's not really much else you, you, you're doing there, you know, because you're in the middle of nowhere. You're not there shopping. You're not there just parked outside someone's house be visiting friends. So there's only, you know, really one thing you should be doing, and that's resting there in between the journey. And again, there's 40 foot signs at the side of the motorway and the sides of the road saying, don't drive tired. Lorries park there and they, they, they have a sleep. It's just a massive, massive grey area. Again, I think if you just follow the rules of, you know, part polite, you know, don't be a dick and just don't leave places a mess, you'll be fine. You know, make them cleaner than you start, than they start, died with, and you should be easy. There shouldn't be a problem. Good advice there from Darren. Yeah, and, and what he says about being neat and tidy, we'll come back to that in a moment's time. We're yeah. going to be talking about air and in France. And I was there just a, a few weeks ago, and I've got a story about tidiness and the, and the French system, uh, which I, I think we should all take heed of. Yeah, Both thanks, Darren. That was great. Do you know, he was actually parked on the street in Newark recording that, and he'd been fishing in a lake. I had a phone call with him earlier, just now before he re kindly recorded this bit with me. And he, caught, he was fishing in a lake and caught a £15.7 carp and a £5.5 bream while I was chatting to him. Very, <laughs> Living very the dream. Nice. <laughs> uh, okay, then let's uh, continue. It is the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. It's brought to you in association with the help of, thanks to our friends at thatleisureshop.com. We're talking about parking your motorhome caravan or your van, parking on your driveway. Yeah, what's the limitation of doing that? If you've got one, of course. Did you know there are some houses that have a deed covenant 
Is that what you call it? I it suppose is. It yeah, be, a deed yeah. of covenant, yes. That says you can't park a motorhome or camper van on your drive at all. And there's some councils uh, which says that even if you don't have a deed of covenant, that you can't park for more than six weeks of the year anyway. Well, on your drive. On your, on your own drive. Well, I, I know of one housing area where there's a restriction of 20 hours. So you're allowed to put a caravan outside your house for a maximum of 20 hours. Basically enough time to load it, clean it and get on your way. So things are very different and you've got to obviously delve into uh, what uh, your local councils, if you're in a fairly new house, uh, what your developer agreed to with the council when they built it. Like motorhomes, but it could be keeping chickens. I, I lived in one house which was built by yeah, a national house builder and I couldn't keep chickens. Not that I wanted to, but it was just part of the deed of covenant. Right, and, and one of them was motorhomes and caravans. I can't park for more than six weeks. No, I mean, there's a housing development up the road here. I, I don't see how people are going to even park outside the houses, let alone park a motorhome outside them. Well, that's there is the thing. no provision for parking. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the housing developer did a deal with the council and said, "Yeah, we'll build all these hundred houses, but we don't have any cars here, so we won't provide any parking facility. Get everyone on the bus." Well, what bus? Well, <laughs> well, there is a bus yeah, every, well, every other Wednesday, yeah, apparently. I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, but uh, where we are, the buses have been cut back and cut back so much that uh, you can't drive your car into certain cities and you can't take the bus because there is no bus. No. It, the world has gone mad, Matt. It's madness, gone mad. Madness. But the other thing to think about is the impact on your neighbours as well. You know, putting a great big motorhome on your drive may not be the best move if you want to get on with your neighbours. No, it's going to annoy people, isn't it? It could do. It could do. So that's a consideration as well. And that's when, you know, when you're then into parking your motorhome or caravan in a secure storage facility. In fact, we've done a whole episode on storing your motorhome in a secure facility. So go and check that out. Do you remember that story, Keith? There was a nursery, children's nursery in a house and they wanted to extend it. Yeah. So they put a static caravan on the drive at the side of the house. Good idea. Yeah, until the neighbours came back from their holiday and they couldn't see out the kitchen window. <laughs> static caravan in the way. They were not happy. They reported they, it to the news, didn't they? Yeah, I bet they weren't happy. And uh, also, uh, do you think the nursery knew they were on holiday when they towed the caravan <laughs> outside Maybe. their window? Maybe. Just saying, just saying. They didn't get permission, that's for sure. No. So that's parking on your driveway. You might be able to do it, you might not. You've got to t- take account of the neighbours, any deeds of covenant with your house, and also your council bylaws for your area. And they might differ... Uh, for the different parts, the districts yeah. that you live in in the same council Well, it's area. a consideration when moving, isn't it, is actually check the deed of covenant on the property. Have you ever done that before yes. you bought it? Yes. Uh, well, you would. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to Campra and Ayres. What's Campra? The campaign for real Ayres. An, we- a- an air. An air. Uh, we, so, we've done an episode, haven't we? Yeah, it's, a, it's an approved park-up facility for a motorhome or camper van. You must be fully self-sufficient in order to use it. A very common on the continent and increasing numbers of them here in the UK. It's a whole episode with Campra. Uh, go and check that out. A few weeks ago we released it and we met up with them uh, at the Yorkshire Motorhome Show. And I was driving in France a few weeks ago and the air on the motorways are... Brilliantly signposted, even when they're closed. You know, five uh, kilometres out, it will say the air is closed. And uh, I went and had an inspect. Clean, tidy, shared with lorries, usually on the edge of farmland because the yep. tractor would be coming around and ploughing the field uh, at the time. I couldn't believe how clean they were. But the most important thing, really well signed, obvious. So 
we're not going through this nonsense we've been talking about earlier in this podcast about am I doing the right thing? Where should I be? You know exactly where you're going, what's available to you. And if you look online, you know how much it's going to cost you, which is a few euros. Yeah. So did you actually detour on your holiday to go and check out an air? Well, I detoured because I was on the motorway anyway in Normandy. The only detour I took was literally off the motorway, 200 yards to the air. And you drove in and had a look. I drove in and had a look. And there was a motorhome there. There was a couple of lorries. I love it. You know, it was brilliant. I, just I feel thought, like I've been on holiday with you now. Well, you know, it takes away, it takes away doesn't it, that that doubt in people's minds well, of breaking laws <clears throat> without realising you're breaking them. Well, this is what I was saying at the beginning, isn't it? And we need more airs in this country, don't we? We, you know, I'm a big supporter of Campra, and we just need more park-up facilities for motorhomes and camper vans. There are more on the roads than there have ever been, more proved facilities where we can stop overnight without causing an issue and actually without having the worry that we're going to upset someone or fall foul of a rule and get a fine. I mean, you know, the trespass laws, if you break those, it's a £1,000 fine plus and up to three months in prison. You know, the consequences can be serious. So it's really important we've got these approved facilities and more and more airs are needed in the UK where we can park up legally without the worry and the stress. So that's basically where you can, where you can't park. We've tried to take away some of the worry and stress, as Matt has just said, away from you, but we can't entirely... Just be very wary of where you're parking, where you're stopping overnight, the signs, the rules, the fines, and everything else. As Darren says, if your stomach feels, you know, tightening and you think, oh, I don't feel comfortable doing this, then don't do it. Then don't do it, yeah. Pre-plan, that's the key. Uh, try and pre-plan if you can. As much as you can, yeah. Yeah. Okay, then we hope that's helped you. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. And we are brought to you with thatleisureshop.com and we are in now my favourite bit. Oh, I love this bit. It's not the roast chicken sandwich afterwards. This is the audience Q&A. <laughs> roast chicken sandwiches today? Yeah, with stuffing, mate. With oh, stuffing. brilliant. Right, let's do that. <laughs> Leslie Moore's in Bath. She says, this is a very informative and often funny podcast. It must be the episode where you're not here, Keith. Uh, as newcomers to motorhoming, we have a few questions to do with our first foray abroad. We have a vintage French motorcycle. Poo is 70 years old and two shades of brown and are going to the 100-year celebration of the Marc in Saint-Quentin in France. Do you know what supporting documents for the said bike we need to take? The V5 says that it isn't proof of ownership as we bought it as a rusty heap of bits and fully restored it. What other proof could we use? Also, can we take a fuel can in the channel tunnel i would have thought so as there is fuel in your vehicle uh, auto camper mrv is customized to carry motorbikes and scooters many thanks says leslie moore in bath thanks leslie what a lovely message often funny often funny <coughs> not always well, those are my, my bits of the funny bits, it's your bits <laughs> so leslie's got a great question what docks do you need to take for the bike you need to take them for the motorhome as well leslie you can actually get a whole guide to traveling in europe at thatleisureshop.com forward slash europe it's a free guide with a checklist and there's a video you can watch where I take you through everything that you need to take for a vehicle plus all the stuff you need to take for yourself as well. So there's a whole load of paperwork but the key docs you need to take, the V5 doesn't need to be approved for ownership, it's not about that, it's about being registered to you, uh, the MOT and insurance certificate and I would consider breakdown cover as well and make sure you've got European cover added onto your breakdown. So, But go and get the free guide, it's really, really useful, everything on there you need to know but remember for every vehicle you're taking you need to take all those docks. As for taking fuel on the tunnel, you can. 
So according to the uh, Channel Tunnel website, you can take one 20-litre or three 10-litre fit-for-purpose fuel carriers. So I guess that's a proper full fuel can with a screw-top lid. Something that's meant to do it, a jerry can. Pourquoi, as they there say in France. Why would you do, just stop at the first petrol station after you <laughs> sortie le tunnel? Well, you've got a motorbike on board. You need to fuel it. Okay. They might have a generator as well. That's another reason people carry fuel, it's for generators. But yeah, if you've got a motorbike, it's quite handy having the fuel with you, isn't it? Especially if you only can use fully leaded fuel. Thanks for your question, Leslie in Bath. Another Leslie now. Leslie Neve in Huddersfield. She's not very happy with you, Matt. She loves me, but she hates you. No mention in the Types of Campsites episode of groups who run events, rallies and meets very cheaply. Oh, Leslie, I'm sorry. Well, keep listening. Go and check out the Alan Rogers episode. We talk about them there. So, yeah, you're right. There are loads of rallies and groups organised pretty much all over the country every week. Um, Lots of groups on Facebook you can join as well. Lots of special interest groups. Alan Rogers, go and have your naked campsite holiday. You enjoyed that one, didn't you? Thanks, Leslie. We'll do our best to comply. Andrea Much is in Devizes in the West Country. Can you recommend a sat-nav app for iPhone which allows route selection or input of dimensions? Just trying to avoid low bridges. We're currently using Waze, which is fine for cars but not for motorhomes. Is there an easy way of sticking the dimensions of your motorhome or caravan uh, into a sat-nav so it avoids those tiny, tiny roads and bridges. Well, there are apps you can buy. Copilot is one of them. There are others as well. Uh, I would recommend, though, getting a proper sat-nav rather than relying on your phone. Uh, So Garmin, do one. Uh, Snooper or another brand that do one specifically for motorhomes. They're actually usually as you say, origins of HGVs, and they've been adapted for motorhomes and caravans by simply being put in a box with a picture of a motorhome on it usually. So you can put the dimensions of the vehicle in, then you know you're going to travel safe and avoid those narrow roads. Doing on your phone is fine, but a sat-nav is going to be a, you know, much more reliable in terms of getting signal. Yeah, the, the thing on your phone isn't really a sat-nav, it's mapping. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it, And it will give you ways of getting there by car or by train or by walking. And it's handy, very handy, and you can use it as a sat-nav in a car. But as you say, it's not necessarily the right thing if you've got no, it. And it <coughs> saps the battery as well in your phone, so you've got to have it plugged in and you know, recharging all the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to get caught by an officer of the law looking at your phone while driving. You will be done. And uh, the uh, sanctions have uh, recently been increased. Well, I think we've done what we can do on parking rules and regulations as it stands here, Matt. What do you think? Well, hopefully, hopefully we've clarified a few things anyway and given people confidence to go and do it. There's nothing wrong with parking up in a lay-by if you're the right side of the law and you feel it's safe and reasonable to do so. Darren's got some great advice. Thank you, Darren, again. Um, But I would encourage you just to go out. If you can park on a campsite or an air, then I would say that's always going to be preferable. But if you find yourself where you need to take a break because you're getting tired, then make sure you do. Drive safe. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. How do people get in touch with us then? Very easily. Just go to motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash askmat. You can submit a question there or a comment or you can record your question and tell us where you are. You can find us too on YouTube. So our YouTube channel is full of deep dive content, uh, including that interview with Quest that we referred to earlier. So go and check that out too. And you'll find us on social media. And if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please, would you leave us a review? We love getting five-star reviews. It really helps spread the word that the podcast exists and help other people discover us. 
thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Oh,